0: Hey guys, it's Ali. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 134 called Nicola. Infertile AF is supported by First Republic Bank. With a best in class banking app that allows you to bank anywhere, anytime, and a dedicated personal banker when you need one on one service, First Republic is uniquely positioned to offer the best of both worlds. With this combination of personal attention and convenience, it's no wonder that First Republic Bank has a client satisfaction rating two times the industry average. So whether you're opening a personal line of credit or planning for your retirement, you can count on First Republic to be there for you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Today's episode is brought to you by Belly, prenatal vitamins that help get your body the healthiest it can be to welcome a new little life. Belly's vitamins are formulated to optimize fertility and prenatal health for men and women through all stages of pregnancy, from conception through to post-pregnancy. Belly's revolutionary science-based formulation fuels your fertility to help support egg quality, promote hormonal balance, and increase your overall fertility health. Belly for men, prenatals are specially formulated with clinically proven nutrients optimized to help increase sperm count, help improve sperm morphology and motility, and boost overall fertility. To get started with belly. Go to bellybaby.com and use code Ali 15 for 15% off your first month of either belly women or belly men. Again, it's bellybaby, B E L I B A B Y.com and use code ally A L I 15 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. Okay, guys, I'm so excited about today's conversation because I feel like it's such an important conversation that needs to be had and it's not had very often. So Today, I am super honored to be talking to Nicola Salmon, who calls herself a fat-positive fertility coach. She's the author of Fat and Fertile, and she is a fat activist and a speaker. So today, she's going to tell us all about her fertility journey, being diagnosed with PCOS when she was about 16 years old, and then she's going to talk about what she's doing today, and a huge part of her work is supporting people and helping them advocate. She promotes weight-inclusive fertility care and helps everybody believe and understand that they're worthy of that care because, as she says, the majority of clinics will not support fat people, and it's shocking. So this is a great conversation. She's super cool. And without further ado, this is Nicola's infertility story. Hi there. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. It's so lovely to be here with you. It is so lovely to finally connect. I've been following you on Instagram for a
1: while. So tell everybody who you are and where you are to start. Yes. So I'm Nicola Salmon. I'm a fat positive fertility coach and I am in the UK. Um, I've recently moved to the countryside. So I'm in a very beautiful forest of Dean. I'm surrounded by trees. It's just, yeah, Lovely. very, very lucky, magical Lovely. place. Lovely.
0: So where did this journey begin for you? Like, was it when you started to try to have a baby or was it before that, like as a young woman with sex education and all that?
1: So for me, it started right kind of when I was going through um, my first menstrual cycles. I was 13, I think, when I had my first one. But -hmm. then after that, I had none. It was like three years. Went to the doctor. They were like, oh, you know, it just takes a little bit of time sometimes. And eventually, kind of with some pushing, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, Mm -hmm. which I think most folks know what that is now. It's like a hormonal metabolic condition. But 20 years ago, when I was diagnosed, we had no internet. We had no information Mm information nobody'd ever heard of it. Yeah. I had you heard of it before? Never. Okay. So I said, no what did they anybody? tell you? And what did so you they think? said? They said that I would never get pregnant.
0: Mm.
1: And that the only way to like, quote unquote, regulate my hormones was to go on the pill, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and to lose weight. Now I wasn't, in a really big body at that time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're going through puberty, your body changes, they change at different rates. Right. So the doctor decided that losing weight was a great option for me. So that kind of really kind of triggered a huge journey through dieting, through Mm. trying different diets, losing weight, regaining Mm -hmm. weight, gaining more weight. And that Absolutely. cycle kind of went through my whole 20s, teens, 20s, into my early 30s. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I thought for that for that whole time that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. That's um, a harsh diagnosis. Not mm. only to be
0: told you're never going to be able to get pregnant, but also you need to lose weight. Like as you know, a girl that has also struggled with her weight, like growing up and stuff, that's hard to hear. And that scars you when people say things like that.
1: It really becomes a part of your identity when you're so impressionable, you know, at such a young age when everything's changing, it became a part of who I was. You know, like I let it let it be become this part of my story where I wasn't lovable because I couldn't have kids like who would want to be in a relationship with me. You know, it just really led to me distrusting and hating my body for so long. And yeah, it just impacted so many areas of my life in so many different ways. Yeah. But even so, now I'm only just kind of beginning to unpick.
0: Right. So who did you go to for support at that time? And did you say you were 13 when you were diagnosed or was it a couple of years later?
1: It was a couple of years, yeah, because I 16. So yeah. I don't think I even really talked to friends about it. It was really just my family that knew. And, you know, they were super supportive in every way they could be in terms of, you know, trying to support me in losing weight. But, you know, that it, they then again was just, you know, they just did what they could to help me. And that was really the only option that the doctor gave us. So, right. you know, that's what I tried and kept trying and kept trying.
0: Right. Was there anybody that you could turn to and be like, that hurt my feelings or I'm scared or I'm sad or, you know, like, because like I said, those those things, both of those diagnoses just cut deep.
1: Mm, I don't remember talking to anybody about it um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think you know I'm so grateful that nowadays we have so many avenues to turn to in, in terms of talking to folks but right you know even 20 years ago the mental health scene was so different and especially right. you know in the UK like mental health was still this kind of like stigmatized topic to talk about you know and it just yeah I don't remember anybody ever asking me how I felt about it or or talking about it or yeah we just i just kind of go on with stuff which seems alien now i'm
0: scrolling through your instagram right now which is so powerful and Thank um you. you know everybody if they're not following you already should be following you at fat positive fertility so tell me a little bit about that and then i want to rewind and you know start at the beginning of your fertility journey but tell me about the the account and why you started it and you know you've got almost 27,000 followers which is huge. You know, you call yourself a fat activist and fat positive fertility coach like you said, author of Fat and Fertile, get the fat person's guide to getting pregnant. You know, this is you're such an outspoken person in this space and I feel like there's not a lot of people that are are doing that. So thank you first of all for being there and for doing this. But um tell
1: me when you launched the account and and why. So it all kind of started like before fat positive fertility i was a fertility coach Mm -hmm. i initially trained as an acupuncturist so that's kind of where i started supporting folks who wanted to get pregnant but it all really came from an evolution of my own experience and what i needed so i i think maybe like six years ago now i realized that i was just done with dieting i did not want to go on the scales again i did not want to fill my head with calories and carbs and you know all these ways that I was punishing my body so I mm-hmm. quit dieting mm-hmm. and luckily around that time I was on Instagram I found other fat people who were just living their lives who were just being happy and it blew my mind because for so long all I'd been surrounded by was this idea that if you were a fat person you could only exist in this world if you were trying to lose weight in some way and mm. The fact that there were people out there in their bodies being happy and not trying to lose weight, I just I just couldn't, I just it just yeah. Because
0: you'd spent like decades probably trying to change, right? Constantly going through this cycle and
1: time, money, you know, my life basically was dedicated to this pursuit of thinness. And yeah, I was just sick of it. And you know, this is about the time that you know, kind of spoiler alert, what we're gonna go back to, but I got pregnant. I had my son and I just did not want to pass that on to him. I didn't want to pass on that shame, Mm -hmm. that kind of deep, deep shame that I felt about my body and the way that I was around food. So that was really what spurred me on to, to trying to find a different way of existing in a fat body. And Mm -hmm. that was, you know, with my work that I was already doing in fertility, I just realized that there was nobody that was talking about fatness in any other way in the fertility world about, apart from like, well, this is how you lose weight, or this is how you, you know, get smaller in order to access care or get support in trying to get pregnant. So Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to start talking about this stuff. I did not feel prepared. I did not feel like I knew enough, but I knew that there were so many people out there suffering because they were being told that it was their fault that they couldn't get pregnant.
0: Right. And not only is, you know, IVF and treatment denied to a lot of people, but, you know, you've also had posts where they say like, you deserve weight inclusive fertility care. So weight inclusive fertility care is not everywhere, right? There's a lot of clinics no. that if you don't have a certain BMI, you know, body mass
1: index, they won't treat you. Right. Is that where you were finding? Yeah. The majority of clinics will not support fat people. And okay. it's shocking because, you know, we know that, the, that infertility happens to bod- bodies of all shapes and sizes. Like right, it's not exactly. just something that happens to thin folks or something that just happens to fat folks. And for them to deny that care is is so unethical and it is not born in the evidence. Like I, before I was in fertility, I did a master's of medical engineering and physics and worked for the civil service in like the medical department. So I have a background in research and I I have gone through with a fine tooth comb, like all the different research we have around BMI and fertility. And it just does not back up the way that fat people are spoken to, are treated, right. um, and it is just—it just blows my mind every time I see a research paper that that concludes something completely opposite to what the results show. It's just wild.
0: Right. We have one of our, you know, a handful of our fertility rally members are dealing with this, and there's one friend in particular that I'm thinking of. That you know, she's going through that right now. She's at a clinic, mm-hmm. and you know, they told her she has to lose 40 pounds, and she's really struggling, and. She's like I just can't lose this last 10 and I feel like my life is on hold and it's just it's such bullshit to me I feel like
1: and it's it so really hard is. to see
0: her going through this cuz it does seem like a form of discrimination. Do you do you agree with that or is that like you do yeah, okay yeah absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about the path to having your son. I know there's a lot between you know your diagnosis of PCOS and and that but can you
1: tell me about your in, individual fertility journey? yeah so I often kind of almost call it like a fertility journey in reverse so Mm. I I expected things to be hard and spent my whole 20s expecting to have to go through IVF to have to go through procedures and maybe to you know have to adopt or go through surrogacy or or something you know that extreme because of what the doctor told me but it was it was really easy for us we were super super lucky and both our boys got we got pregnant really easily um and that again was one of the things that made me think, well, hang on a minute. You know, I'm here at my highest weight with 100 plus day cycles with PCOS, and I got pregnant like that. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And why so did I have been any told med- medical treatment or anything? Nothing, nothing. Oh, wow. And completely unremarkable pregnancies, completely mm-hmm. unremarkable births for both my sons and. Mm-hmm. I just, but I, but the problem with my pregnancies was that I was expecting it to go wrong because again, right. of everything we're told around fat folks, getting pregnant, being pregnant. Right. Um, so interesting. Yeah. How old are your boys now? They are seven and five. Oh, so, wow. Um, yeah. Amazing. Okay. So,
0: okay. I'm so thankful that you didn't have to go through, you mm. know, the treatment oh, yeah. and the roller coaster that so many people do, but tell me about like the mental struggles of going through that because like you said, having these healthy pregnancies wasn't what you were expecting. So were you able to enjoy being pregnant or did you always feel like something was going to happen or like you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop?
1: The first time, the first pregnancy was every single step of the way. I was filled with anxiety Mm -hmm. around what was going to go wrong. Most of my healthcare appointments were like, well, you know, looking at weight and looking at you know, scaremongering around what's going to happen and the risks. And then, yeah, I was denied my birth choices during that pregnancy. Okay. And it so was, what does that mean exactly? So I really wanted to have a home birth. I'd done all the research. I knew it was what I wanted, but the midwife told me that, that I wasn't allowed that. So it was because really of your the weight? Yeah, purely because of my BMI. There were no other health markers that were wow. indicating that, that would there would be a problem. It was purely down to my BMI.
0: So how did that feel when she said that?
1: Oh, it felt awful because you know, I'd I'd done all the research, I'd made the decision about what I wanted. And then just to be turned away and told no, it just felt so so awful. And just, mm-hmm. you know, like this, that was the very first time. That I actually ever put my foot down and said, no, like, hold on a minute. Like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. It was the very first time I'd stopped being that quote unquote good girl. And just done as I was told, like I got the evidence together. I made an appointment with the head midwife and I said, this is what I want. You cannot stop me. It's my body. It's absolutely my choice. And then she agreed. Not yeah. that I needed her permission, but, you know, we accepted that this was what, that's what was going to happen. And yeah, I got the care. In the end, it didn't work out because of things that happened during my birth. Mm-hmm. But even that act of going through that process was such mm-hmm. a powerful thing for me. Right. Um, and it was the very first time that I had ever advocated for myself. And that is such a huge part of my work now, supporting people in doing that work and going right. through that process. So did you
0: become a fertility coach after you had your sons?
1: So or? I think I was doing my training, um, when my sons were little, so yeah, it must've been mm, probably, yeah, like six years ago now, that I trained as a coach.
0: Okay. Okay. So what made you want to, you know, help other women and get into this field in the first place?
1: So I think like most folks, it was because of my own stuff. So I trained as an acupuncturist before I got married, before I got pregnant, and was absolutely interested in hormones, fertility, you know, all the stuff around that because of my own PCOS and my own expectation that that was going to be where I was going. So that's kind of what led me into fertility acupuncture, which then led me on to coaching, which then led me on to, you know just completely redesigning my business and who I was serving and who I was supporting, because I just saw that these folks were just being left and just being told that, you know, weight loss was their only option and that they, you know, weren't worthy of care, respect and evidence-based medicine. It's just, yeah. So that's kind of the path that, you know, navigated me here in the end.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that one of your posts says, how to stop feeling shit about wanting to get pregnant. (laughs) So tell me about the the people that you work with and your own experiences as well. Like, you know, there's, we've obviously talked about discrimination and being denied medical coverage and treatment and everything. But like, how do you, how can we change that? Like as a society, how can we band together? And what have you learned through your like coaching training that you can help these people who are going through it Have a better outcome.
1: Mm, I mean, it's it's huge because this idea that that quote unquote fat people are unhealthy is like it's a foundational belief that most of our medical system is built on. And the discrimination that fat folks face isn't just in healthcare. It's in like, you know, they get paid less, they get fewer Mm. job opportunities, they Um, don't get access to public transport or you know like they're left out of so many many things and to really change that is you know the system needs a complete overhaul you know whether in the UK that's through the NHS you know in the US that's through the insurance systems because though insurance the systems are built upon this idea that you know fatness is a disease and that makes so much per percentage of the population unhealthy, then they need mm-hmm. all these healthcare coverages. And, you know, it's such um, a nuanced topic and it's, you know, it goes beyond body size, like fatness, when you use it to discriminate against people is also, you know, it it, it intersects with racism as well, because any BMI barriers discriminate more on fat on black people and it's just such a huge problem that you know to be honest one person like i am not going to fix this i am not going to be able to do this by myself mm-hmm. um we are going to need a radical overhaul of how the systems work how the power medicine works but kind of when i'm working with patients i am doing it in kind of two main ways i'm trying to support them in accessing care because that is a huge part of why so many folks really struggle because they cannot access the tests, the treatments, everything they need. Mm -hmm. And I'm also supporting them in helping them believe and understand that they are worthy of that care Mm -hmm. and that it's not all their fault. And it's not that they just don't want it enough because they haven't lost that weight. Mm -hmm. There's so much more to it than that. And actually we know that diets don't work. We know there is not one single research study out there that shows that dieting works long-term we know that you know any form of restriction whether that's fasting whether that's keto whether that's you know any form of dieting will lead to binging that, that is a biological cycle that happens so it's it's about helping them understand what's going on for them and why they haven't been able to lose that weight even though growing their families the most important thing in the world to them and why mm-hmm. it's not their fault and why their healthcare system shouldn't be filled with shame and judgment and Yeah. So it's kind of this two-pronged thing of both, you know, the practical access, but also helping them understand that they are worthy of that care and support.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so incredible that you're doing all this. So I know you did a series on the four steps in to getting pregnant in a bigger body. Can we talk about that a little bit? Can you break that down for us?
1: Absolutely. So it's based on like a framework that I created, specifically for fat folks so it goes into so the f stands for formulate that's step one so what that involves is kind of looking at health from a bigger perspective and how we can look at where you are now look at what is important for you and your health goals and taking tiny 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 steps to get there because we know that like health is something that a we shouldn't have to pursue in order to access things like fertility treatment but also that that isn't always accessible to everybody. So people who have chronic illnesses, people who have disabilities, like health looks very different to everybody. So Mm -hmm. it's about creating a plan that supports you from where you are now to where you want to be in terms of your health. Mm -hmm. Then it's the A, and that stands for advocacy. So we talk a lot about how to learn how to advocate, the research that we need. So I create a lot of research tools for folks to be able to advocate for their care, looking at how to do that practically, looking at things you can say, like having scripts, like as many tools as I can um, create in order to Mm -hmm. make it as easy as possible for people because this isn't work that people should have to do. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody should have access to this, but unfortunately people have to do this work. The third step is the T, so that's trust. So it's really about relearning how to trust your body. For me, it was, you know, when, when I was told that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant, then I just believe that my body was broken. So it's about really relearning how to believe that your body's capable of pregnancy and what that might look like and, you know, rebuilding a relationship with food that feels good because for so many folks, sorry.
0: I'm sorry. As a sidebar, I was going to say, do you feel that way now? Do you feel better? Like you don't feel like it's broken and you've got a better relationship with food?
1: Absolutely. And it's not a linear process. You know, like I have... Days when I don't feel good about my body. I have days when I feel amazing about my body. I feel like um, that's just being a woman in general, right? Yeah. We all no matter what. Yeah. But the biggest thing for me was just believe just realizing that, you know, my body is incredible at some at certain things. And it doesn't really matter whether it's beautiful or not. Like that's really not the purpose of what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. You know, my body is incredible at doing other things. So mm-hmm yeah, it's just a bit about looking at that from a completely different lens. Right, totally. Um, but yeah, so the food thing, really looking at relationship with food and then rebuilding that so that you can kind of begin to trust that, you know, binging cycles are completely normal and emotional eating is completely normal. And just, yeah, taking all that energy out of your relationship with food because for so many people that can just consume them, And, you know, it did for me as well for so many years of my life. Mm -hmm. And then the final step is the positive mindset step. So this is just not like a positive, you know, everything's great. Everything's perfect. It's about really looking at those underlying beliefs of what we believe about being fat, about getting pregnant, about becoming a parent and really looking at if those beliefs are useful. Because for most of us, we've been conditioned over years and years and years to believe that being fat is wrong and being fat is bad and fat people can't get pregnant. So it's really about looking at those beliefs and changing them to be much more useful beliefs and and like how those then will help us in creating better habits in our lives and, you know, supporting our mental health and all these different ways. So it kind of all intersects together, but those are kind of the main four ways that I work with folks under that framework.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. So one of the other things you posted was, are fat folks at higher risk during fertility treatment? And what's the answer to that? Mm.
1: So, yeah, I post a lot of trying to kind of do research posts on that. Mm-hmm. So I love it. You're like research. dispelling the myths and yes. spreading some truths. I love it. So the risk thing, like the risks are actually for some things a little bit higher, but some things are a little bit lower actually when you're in a bigger body, which is really interesting the thing the thing that a lot of the research doesn't take into account is that how fat people are treated when they mm. go and access medical care yeah so there's something called weight stigma which is a measured um impact of how fat people are treated and you know they get things like fewer they get shorter appointment times they oh. don't get things caught so like for specific cancers and specific conditions like it takes fat people longer to get diagnosed because doctors will just say oh it's just weight you have to go and lose weight Mm -hmm. so they're they're kind of diagnoses when people have serious conditions of being delayed and so there's all kinds of reasons why actually just being in a fat body and how i'm treated by a healthcare professional has negative impacts on my health and that is not taken into account in the majority of research into fatness and just fertility, but also, you know, fatness and any kind of health condition. Right. So it's about, you know, looking at what the risks are and the majority of the risks are not there are or, you know, very small increased risks, but they do absolutely not take into account um, the, the fact that these folks are experiencing weight stigma and also the impact of dieting you know like going through diets and your weight going up and weight going down like that we know impacts metabolism impacts chronic inflammation and those things you know massively impact the way our hormones work in our bodies so it's a complex picture but Mm -hmm. weight you know it is so exaggerated the weight the way that weight impacts that Mm -hmm. and even if it does impact it, it shouldn't be a reason to deny folks care. Like it should just be managed. And, right. you know, fat people should be included in things like research into how these um, treatments work and should be included. And in when doctors are trained in how they do the surgeries and how they support folks, which they are routinely left out of. So right. it's, it's a really, really complex issue.
0: Yeah. Before we wrap it up, I would love to say, you know, We said earlier, you deserve weight-inclusive care. What are some thoughts for somebody who might be listening who is going through a fertility journey and is feeling like they're not getting weight-inclusive care? What are some tips or words of advice that you might say to somebody who's struggling?
1: Mm, So you are not alone. Absolutely, there are so many other folks going through this exact same problem where they are not accessing the care and the treatment that they deserve, I've tried to collate a whole list of clinics all over the world that will support folks in a more weight neutral way. It's not perfect, but it might be a good place to start if you're thinking about, like, you want to access care from a clinic or you want to get more support. And they can find that on your site? Yeah, so it's nicolasalmon.co.uk. But I absolutely just want folks to know that they are worthy and deserving of that support and whatever it takes for them to grow their family they should be able to access that.
0: All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Nicola, you are such a badass. Guys, if you're not following her already, please check her out at Fat Positive Fertility on Instagram. And I also wanted to tell you to save the date for Fertility Rally Live which is happening on October 23rd. So this is our third fertility rally live as the other two. This is going to be an all day event where we've got keynote speakers, panels, breakout sessions. We have 16 different breakout sessions covering everything from endometriosis to recurrent pregnancy loss to male factor infertility to nutrition and supplements to donor eggs and being a donor mama. It's so good. We've lined up some incredible people. And as always, even if you can't come for the live event, our programming will be available for 30 days on our event site. So definitely check out our Instagram, fertility rally on Instagram, and we will blast out more info as the event nears. And we would love to see you guys there. There'll also be info on fertilityrally.com. So Fertility Rally Live, October 23rd. We cannot wait to see you guys there. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks.